You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to the Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house here. After the July 4th, I would say weekend, but really a week celebration, it's Wednesday, July 5th in the morning here. And gosh, I don't want to get back to work just like everyone else. I really enjoyed my time off. I hope you guys enjoyed your uh, vacation as well and had a meaningful Independence Day. Um, thank you to everyone for, for all your comments and feedback on my July 4th manifesto. It's kind of become a annual tra- tradition here at Conservative Conscience at, at CR, um, where I just, you know, put out kind of a 2000 word essay on the meaning of our entire foundation as, as much as you can do in just one piece and how it ties into very specific issues that are confronting us now. And, and that's really, you know, why I'm so into July 4th and the declaration is because what we try to do here is actually not just talk about the abstract and not just talk about current issues, but talk about the abstract principles as they relate to the current issues. And I, I know it's depressing, and I know I, I definitely have a... Uh, I would say New Year's resolution, but gosh, we're already in the second half of the year. Could you believe, imagine that? We're in the second half of the year. Um, you know, there was so so much build up to the year 2017 when Republicans won and they control everything. And here we are, half the year is gone and they've done absolutely nothing except for reveal to us how they love Obamacare. And hopefully we'll have time to get to some of the latest news on, on health care. But I want to spend time talking about some of the foundational principles that have been lost, the meaning of, of July 4th, the meaning of this time we're, we're living through. And, you know, in, in this year's manifesto, I, I, I really I really struggled to end off on a positive note. And the only thing I could say is that outcomes are for God. All we can do is stand for the right things. Our job is Micah six eight to do justice, to embrace loving kindness, to walk humbly with God, and not get sucked into the binary idolatry, the lesser of two evils, the nonsense that we're confronted with all day. That's my goal. My goal for the remainder of this year is to try to coalesce a constitutional convention-style meeting of 40, 50 conservatives that haven't sold out, whether they're elected officials, unelected officials, conservative media people with the recognition that we need to seek God's, God's um, divine providence. We need to have, as, as our founders had a firm reliance on the protection of d- divine providence, um, appeal to that supreme judge of the world and just pray and strategize together. Recognize what we're doing is not working, that we need, we need to strive for better. Now, I want to share with you just just a thought I had, and I, I know it's you know certainly a common occurrence for a lot of people. As I was going to northern Pennsylvania with my family, just 
we 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 rented a 130 acre farmhouse property um beautiful area in in the pennsylvania wilds tioga county just the bordering new york um just straight shot up i-83 and uh north central pennsylvania gorgeous area three three and a half hour drive from where i am in central maryland a lot less humidity just uh Gosh, I I didn't want to leave, but it was kind of dampened by an incident on on the way there, on the way up, about halfway through the trip. I got got outside of Harrisburg. You know, you start to get into the Pennsylvania mountains, and there was a lot of construction. And then as the mountains came on and the road opened up, you know, I started stepping on the accelerator, but not in a dangerous way, going with the flow. There wasn't much traffic there. And of course, a cop nails me downhill, waiting there in one of those cop holes where there's nothing you can do about it. I was going 74, you know, but it was a 55 zone instead of a 65. It, it totally could have and should have been 65. Going 74 on a downhill on on something that is an interstate in all but name only. Um, today's roads, today's cars, there's no reason for it. And, you know, the guy was exceedingly nice, and I don't blame the cops. It's it's a problem with the state legislatures and everything. And, you know, I wound up with a $140 ticket. He said, I'll only make it 60 so you don't get points. Evidently, Maryland and Pennsylvania now reciprocate points. They don't reciprocate right to carry, but they reciprocate points on your driver's license. But he, was saying, he said, I'll be nice. I won't give it to you. And, you know, I thanked him for his service, and I said, you know, I'm glad my kids got to see a real police officer. And, yeah, I mean, he was a, he was a great guy. But I was thinking to myself, how far we've fallen. What would our founders think of this? That, you know, for the remainder of that trip and then certainly on the way back, I had to alter my driving, which I don't think was safe. Every time I was in the left lane and, you know, someone's going slow, but there's a pack of people behind me um, that are really rushing. So normally I would just, you know, speed up and pass and then move over so the guys that want to go even quicker could uh, do their thing. Instead, I had to kind of slam on the brakes and move over to the right because I didn't want to lead the pack and get caught. And I was just thinking, there are so... Everything is in that preamble of the Declaration. The system of government we adopted, if you understand the 201 words of the preamble of, de- of the Declaration, you understand natural rights, you understand that the, the source comes from God, and you understand the proper role of the three branches. And when I say the three branches, I don't mean you know, legislative, executive, and judicial, ju- judicial. I mean federal, state, and the individual. You understand what is reserved for the individual what is the proper role of a state government and what is the proper role of the federal government? And you think of what the government doesn't do and how illegals could come here and do whatever the heck they want. And, and, and our guys get prosecuted. Sheriff Arpaio is getting prosecuted for following federal law. Yet I have to sit and have my heart you know, lumped in my throat, look in my rearview mirror as if I'm being hunted. When I'm doing nothing wrong. And to that end, there's people on the road who do drive recklessly, go 90 miles an hour, weave in between lanes. But again, this is, it's all about revenue. It's all about politics. It's not about safe roads because why, why would you set up traps and, you know, to, to just catch people? 
You don't need to catch people. You just see reckless driving and you pull, pull the guy over. But it's all politics. It's all to take, you know, I was thinking, you know, hard-earned money. I'm finally taking a vacation. We were so careful with what we do. We don't do expensive vacations. We don't go to the big spots. We go to, you know, kind of rural areas. And I was like, man, 140 bucks. You know, that could have been another night. More than another night would have paid for. And more and more, they suck out of us. And and where does it go? It goes to welfare. It goes to Medicaid. It goes to the state version of Medicaid. It goes to Section 8. It goes to public transportation. They take from... They take our property and they redistribute it, violating that social compact. And, you know, it just got me thinking of the dependency in this country and how everything is so backwards. The priorities are so backwards. Because when you don't understand what we're celebrating, then you don't understand our, the system of governance we adopted. You know, Constitution Day in September flows seamlessly from the Declaration. The Declaration was actually a perfect document, as perfect as as um, a human document could be, because it recognizes divinity. It recognizes divine providence. It recognizes that rights come from God, and it recognizes the proper role of government, and that's kind of what I dealt with in this year's manifesto. And... What I mean by more perfect than the Constitution, because obviously, you know, you had the original sin of slavery, which certainly wasn't endemic in the founding of this country. It was the settlement of the continent was founded on slavery. Um, the fact that we founded a constitutional republic didn't hurt that. If anything, it helped it. It set the stage for the Civil War, which eventually Lincoln in the Gettysburg Address um, and you know, really all the congressmen, if you examine the debates from the um, – 1867 uh, House and Senate debates on the 14th Amendment, the Civil Rights Act of 1866, which was the forerunner to the 14th Amendment. Um, you see that they they hark everything harkened back to the Declaration of Independence, that they were making the Constitution harmonious with the Declaration, seeing though that that vision through. So so this was a perfect document. This was a document that. You know, really has six principles in my mind. Um, you know, I know uh, you know people have different ways of of breaking it down, but there's basically six principles here. Number one, that individuals are born with natural rights that come from God, not from historical precedent, not from English common law, not from the democratic whims of a majority in a given society. So these are your your unalienable rights. That cannot be governed away. So whatever system you do adopt, it has to account for those rights. That that the individual keeps. And again, not the important thing is God is not just mentioned three, four times in the Declaration. God is identified as the source and foundation of those unalienable rights. Man, that's really what we're celebrating. And that that, that was what I built this year's manifesto off of. Um, you know, that you notice we don't celebrate July 2nd. July 2nd is actually Independence Day. That's when they declared independence. July 4th is about something so much greater than independence. 
oh, we were no longer part of Britain. Whoop-de-doo. It's not what we're celebrating. As, as Adams and Jefferson and then later Coolidge explained, no. We're celebrating not a new nation, but a new nation that was founded upon new principles. That was founded upon godly principles. And that it identified those principles as the foundation for the government. So again, the first thing is that we're born with these unalienable rights. Number two, that while, while not completely enumerating all of them, but chief among them are those natural rights given by God, our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Getting back to my ticket there, the pursuit to earn a living and own property. Not guaranteed outcomes, but pursuit. Now, also implicit in that is the natural right to self-defense, because Sam, Sam Adams always said um, he was the founding father of the revolution. Um, among the natural rights of the colonists are these, quote, first, a right to life, second, to liberty, thirdly, to property, together with the right to defend them in the best manner they can. So, um, you know, you know, uh, you look at the declaration, it was borrowed very much from, uh, you know, the Virginia Declaration of Rights, Massachusetts, some other states, Pennsylvania, um, some of the colonies that did this first. And then when they did this on so, uh, you know, so-called national scope, they didn't have a federal government yet. Um, they, they took some of the verbiage, changed some of the verbiage. But if you look at some of the statements from, from Adams, and Adams was the one who wrote, Sam and, and John Adams wrote the Massachusetts Declaration of Rights. So anyway, they have different things. So they have the right to self-defense, the right to conscience. So those are the rights that are completely being bastardized. Property, conscience, self-defense, nothing. Create, all created for new rights, the right to immigrate, the right to a gay marriage, the right to, you name it, 30 days of early voting. Um, but anyway... So, so, so that's number two. And, and again, the pursuit of hap happiness. That's, that's what true equality means. Number three, that individuals form a government as a social compact to protect those unalienable rights from existing threats. So it's not just a matter of fact that, well, it's a necessary, necessary evil to create government. We need government, and therefore government's going to have to infringe upon some rights in order to operate. No, no, no. We have a government precisely to protect those rights. So you don't have mob rule or, you know, chaos or invasion. So it's actually there to protect those rights, which is why I've said so many times that when a state comes in and violates the right to conscience, the right to property, the right to self-defense, as much as I'm a 10th Amendment guy, that is actually one area where it's legitimate for the federal government to, to step in and, and say, no, I mean, you guys can't do that. That's why we created the federal government. Number four, that as it relates to issues not affecting unalienable rights, so there's a middle ground, there's a gray area where it's legitimate for the government to do, Right? It's not out of bounds, but it doesn't affect inalienable rights. So government and, and may, may exercise other just power. So again, you have the individual. You start with the individual. You have rights. It comes from God. You create that social compact because we need a government first and foremost to protect those rights. But then also there is, and, and this is referenced in the, um, in the 
preamble, there are other pow- just moral powers and necessary powers, primarily for the safety and stability of society, that can be dealt with, the general welfare, general protection. But, only, but, but those things can only be done by the consent of the people as expressed through some legitimate form of Republican representation, and that's what they dealt with um, 13 years later when they adopted the Constitution. That's the, the consent of the governed. The consent of the governed. You know, I, I, I call this, and this is really the focus of, again, this year's manifesto, I call it the fourth great right of the Declaration. You know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. But the fourth is popular sovereignty, governance by the consent of the governed. And inherent in this principle is that no outside force not controlled by the members of that society itself may determine the destiny of the society. So now, look, as it relates to certain public policy issues, it is legitimate to have a government and a government to make decisions and to make decisions through some sort of Republican representation that has some sort of electoral process. And there will be people who lose out, a minority who do lose the election, lose the vote, lose the policy issue. But so long as it doesn't affect inalienable rights. So in other words, I cannot steal from you and destroy your healthcare system to create Medicaid and suck it all into Medicaid. <laughs> That's not one of the things. But look, you know, you have a you know question of how to build a border wall, how much of an army to raise. You know, you have a different debates, and some people are going to win at. But it has to be, it has to flow directly, directly from them. So we have life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and the right to be governed only by the consent. Of the governed. And that is that fourth great right. That is the sovereignty we, we talk about so much at Conservative Review, uh, where th- this is the year where the courts have completely taken over immigration. I mean, there is no greater issue than this issue of sovereignty and who gets to decide it. And, and it, it just amazes me how we're so desensitized to it. Oh, the court said this. Oh, oh, oh well, let, let's just go on. And that has to flow directly from the people. As, as Madison always said, the definition of a Republican form of, of government is, is uh, when all the decisions flow either directly or indirectly from the people. But certainly as it relates to foreign nationals and, and at a time of ubiquitous jihad when we can't we, – we have to go before the courts to say, well, maybe we're going to have a cool off in, in refugee status. What? I mean, we don't have to let in any refugees. And statute says the president sets that number. And even the Supreme Court, which kind of tamped down some of the lower court craziness, still gave all these stipulations of who could could be let in, who can't be let in. The courts don't decide that. I mean, granting – it's funny because the – the ultimate example of what it means to have an all-powerful king versus a president was expressed by Hamilton in an essay he wrote about all the contrasting all the differences between a president and a king. And he made it very clear that a king can make denizens of aliens and a president can confer no privileges whatsoever, meaning he needs Congress. 
So how much more so a court can't do that? But nope. Here we are, stolen sovereignty. Okay, principle number five. That all men were created equal, but what that means is equal with regard to access and defense of those unalienable rights. So not, not equal in societal outcomes and privileges, human pursuits. Those ideals would run counter to natural law. Yet what we're told now is this is being flipped on its head. That everyone has a right to a man-made subjective version of equal outcomes that now infringe upon the unalienable natural rights of equal opportunity to life, liberty, and property. So you don't have the right to use your property and business the way you see fit. My right to... My right to a homosexual acceptance of the homosexual agenda trumps your property and conscience rights, the most unalienable rights of our country. I mean, this is pretty unbelievable. You know, Sam Adams standing before the legislature in Philadelphia, the Pennsylvania legislature, just a couple weeks after he signed the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, he got up there and said, this is going to be a contest, this war over whether there remains in the world just one refuge for civil and religious liberty. That's gone. That has been sacrificed on the alt- pagan altar of the sexual identity movement. And, and, and it's funny how they flip conscience and property on its head. So religious liberty is out the window. But what's interesting is there's a growing number of cases in the courts, the EOC, uh, where you have Muslim employees that want employers to cater to their desires. So you don't have – if you're an employer, if you're, you own property, you own a business, you don't, you don't have rights to you know, run that business in accordance with your conscience. But somehow I have an unalienable right to employment at your business and then also a right that you accommodate my beliefs. So you have these cases where you know Muslim stewardesses are demanding that, that – they don't have to uh, um, that they shouldn't be allowed they shouldn't be forced to serve alcohol. Now you're not forced to because it's not your business. See, I'd be mean, go find employment elsewhere. Don't seek employment in the very high pressurized environment of an airplane where you have a counted number of people and it just creates chaos if you're gonna sit out every uh, service of, of, of an alcoholic beverage. You don't have that right. You know, I don't work on Saturday, so I don't have the right to demand employment somewhere where they require you to work on a Saturday. But on the other hand, you know, if I, I run a business, I don't, you know, I, I have the right not to run it then, and no one could force me to. I mean, that that's how it works, but that, that, that relationship has been flipped on its head, true equality. Anyway, I'm going to link to in the show notes – uh, John, the John Adams essay on, on true equality and what that means. And, and by the way, also, all men are created equal in, in, in terms of unalienable rights, like we said, life, liberty, and property. So there's also equality that we're all equal in the forthright of popular sovereignty. So implicit in that preamble is that all members of a given society are equal in the rights to self-governance in their respective society or territory. 
So we all have the right not to have fraudulent voting. That voter integrity is upheld. We all have the right that our votes count and it's not diluted by illegal aliens or non-citizens voting. We all have that right to control our destiny and not have illegal aliens drop anchor babies and, and assert unilateral jurisdiction. And all right, so anyway, final principle that I've identified, the sixth principle that is not very politically correct, and a lot of people forget about it, but that when a long train of abuses and usurpations of the aforementioned principles continues without any recourse, the people have the right and indeed a duty to rebel against the existing system. And, and, and this, this is why I wrote my book. This is what we're calling for. We don't need to take up arms, but to at least push the limits. Break out of the existing paradigm. And with that, I want to read to you from the closing page of my book on this, this final principle, making the case for taking up this call to, to rebel against the existing system, at least, again, in nonviolent means. And, and here's a quote, page 228. Our republic was founded upon a successful revolution, which was spawned by a unifying rallying cry against taxation without representation. What we have today, social and societal transformation without representation, makes the very impetus for our revolution seem trivial. Our economy, society, culture, political system, safety and security, and most prominently our destiny, have been irrevocably compromised by this transformation. Our most sacred inalienable right of religious conscience is under imminent threat of extinction. Indeed, God himself, the source of those unalienable rights expressed in our founding document, has been expunged and banished from our society. This has all been wrought by decisions made by a judicial oligarchy and bureaucratic politburo without the people's consent. Moreover, during the times of the revolution and the grievances against King George, there was no republican form of government to hold up as a standard. The revolution created the very first successful model. Our modern-day long train of abuses and usurpations, on the other hand, come on the heels of two centuries' worth of successful republican governance. In that sense, both the consequences and the degree of illegality behind the current usurpations dwarf the magnitude of the grievances expressed during the time of our founding. Yet, for the cause of just taxation without representation, and establishing for the first time a government built upon popular sovereignty, our founder, founders were willing to, quote, mutually pledge to each other their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. Even before establishing a government built upon natural law and inalienable rights, popular sovereignty, and republicanism, our founders strongly believe that, quote, whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. As we've explored in detail, our property, our, our property rights are violated even to the point of regulating inaction. Right? That's the individual mandate in Obamacare. Our most sacred property right and liberty, religious freedom, is under assault. Our right to self-governance and sovereignty has been debased and contorted in every immoral, illogical, and self-conflicting way imaginable. 
These are the antithesis of light and transient causes. That's a quote from the Declaration, for which our founders advised against pursuing a wholesale rebellion to remedy. Is it too much to demand that we at least use the existing political process and constitutional remedies without abolishing the government to restore our nation and sovereignty to what it was rightfully and legally founded upon? Ignoring this challenge, the consummate challenge of our time, is not an option. For if we squander our final chance to restore our republic to the existing political process, if we so choose to suffer while evils are sufferable, our only remaining recourse will be a path far more painful and insurmountable. You know, among the people that are doomsday sayers, among those in the doomsday crowd, which many would count me among them, I am the most optimistic, and that is why I am the most <sighs> impatient. I'm so restless. Because I believe we're at the cusp, we're at the precipice of losing everything. We've lost a lot. A lot of our culture has been lost. We're not going to get it back. But it doesn't have to be as bad as it is. You see it from the way the Democrats are performing. The people still don't want them. There is an opportunity for a new party. There is an opportunity for a new way. There is an opportunity for our vision. We just need a movement that will actually focus on it. Focus on the news stories of the day that buttress these principles in the eyes of the people. Give people this path forward that we try to do on a daily and weekly basis here. But we need, we, we need a movement. Sam Adams couldn't do it alone. It's a small group of people, but a group nonetheless. That is the group for which I seek to coalesce. Like-minded patriots, like-minded allies. Anyway, guys, send me your thoughts. What, what are your ideas as we head into the second half? As we head into this party that doesn't want to repeal Obamacare. That doesn't believe in sovereignty as much as they talk about immigration all the time. Doesn't believe in national security. Certainly doesn't believe in limited government and the proper role of the federal government. And look, maybe the first opportunity, the best opportunity coming up this month to coalesce such a group at the annual Freedom Fest. We've been advertising for them for the last couple of months, and it's upon us next Wednesday, July 19th through Saturday. This is the largest trade show for liberty in America they're celebrating their 10th anniversary. It's going to be held in Las Vegas. So make sure you get your tickets at the Paris Resort in Vegas. Um, you know, register today, by the way. Use your, use your promo code CRTV100. Get $100 off. Go to www.freedomfest.com. Hope to see you guys there. We'll have other people from CRTV there as well. Um, and make sure you get your CRTV subscription. But, yeah, I mean, we're going to have a busy couple weeks before the stupid August recess. We got the budget coming up. We got debt ceiling. But most importantly, we have Obamacare. We have our piece out explaining the foundations. I know I've, I've gotten a lot of good feedback on that, the foundations of health care and the original sin of government interference in health care and, and what nobody is talking about health care. Um, I want to get into that more in the next episode and, and you know where things stand. Finally, Ben Sass has come out of his witness protection program, and him and his, several other senators are saying, well, maybe we should just repeal 
<clears throat> and not focus on this dumb replace nonsense. Well, yeah, that 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 was kind of a good idea, but now you already ruined our messaging, so I'm not sure where we could go from here. But we do have some ideas. Obviously, the judiciary, we're going to continue focusing on that. Um, the courts are killing us, but we have that one victory on the immigration moratorium. Will Trump utilize it and actually expand the moratorium, which he can and should do? Or is he going to continue focusing on CNN? And is the entire conservative, click-servative media going to continue focusing on CNN. But there you have it, folks. If you understand our foundational principles, it's no enigma where we should head in the next couple of weeks on some of these critical issues. The blueprint's already there. Our founders did that for us 241 years ago. Even though the issues and dynamics have changed, the principles behind them have stayed the same. Thank you all. Happy Liberty Week. Until next time, God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.